everyone. I'm Raul Gonzalez. And I'm Oscar Ibieta. And this is Medicare Agent IQ. And we are a podcast that really our goal is to help independent agents to be more successful selling Medicare plans. And so I'm going to make sure to clarify that Medicare plan is not, not Medicare. Right. Because <laughs> we don't sell Medicare. We, we don't, don't work for Medicare. Medicare. We don't work for the government. So we sell Medicare plans. Exactly. Exactly. So we always got to make that. We always want to make that very clear. And so like moving forward for if you're an agent and you're and you're out there, you don't ever want to say you're a Medicare agent. You don't ever want to say that, you know, you sell Medicare or anything like that. It gives the wrong kind of the wrong idea. And that's that's a lot of the a lot of the updated rules are uh a lot of the updated rules kind of target that. It's yeah. like, you know, a lot of like the name of our company has the word Medicare in it. And so the, the wise thing for us to do now is to put a, a note at the bottom saying not affiliated with the federal government yeah. in any way or something like that. So how would you how would you tell someone what it is that you do? So if you're an agent, you're out in the field and you're trying to get the word out or someone asks you, what is what is it that you do? Yeah. So, well, there, there's there's a lot more to it. <laughs> uh, but but really what we do is we sell Medicare insurance. And so okay. uh, that, that, that's, that's what I would say. But of course, man, there's, there, there's so much to it. R really w my, my role is uh, a sales agent. And what I do is I help seniors identify what option might make most sense for them. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a Medicare insurance agent yep. or I'm a Medicare insurance broker. What are do you think that would be okay in saying that? Yeah. I know we don't want to say I sell Medicare, right? You, you want to keep away from doing that. Yeah, all right. I sell Medicare plans. <laughs> right. Okay. I think that's that. That's the I sell Medicare plans. If you throw the throw the word plans on there, I think you're good. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what we're going to do today is go through just a couple of like some some questions that we've gotten from from our agents, a couple that we got online, and then uh, or you know people who've communicated with us, and then then also something that, that I, I came across on a on a board so I think though I, I want to start with the one I came across on on one of the on one of the boards that I was that I was seeing because because mm -hmm. man I, I was I was thinking about it and kind of made me feel really bad for the person who posted it so I'm going to read it, it says yeah. I'm having a lousy AEP I've written one app and now it's terminating and I've been at this for three years now and have nothing to show for it what should I do so I have a lot of thoughts and I just mm -hmm. feel free to you start your your answer to it, and then I'll. Well, I mean, if if you've got one one sale and it's terminating, we definitely have to take a step back and we have to reevaluate. We have to reassess what's going on here. I don't know what's happened the last couple of years, uh, but you definitely want to look to see what it is that you're doing, uh, what it is that you're not doing, what you can be doing differently. But clearly, something is not. Even if it's something that you've done in the past that has worked. Um, if it's not working now, then it means that it's time that you got to be able to adapt. You have to be able to make changes. Um, and here we are, you know, we're halfway, about halfway through AEP, a little more than halfway. And you, you, there's still time to, to try and figure some things out or change, change it up, right? You don't want to end your AEP with zero sales. So what can we do to get some sales before the December 7th deadline? Yeah, I think that it's difficult because I don't know the whole story, right? I don't know your financial situation. I don't know. I don't know how much longer you can go on like this, but what I would say is, gosh, for anyone who's listening, asking this kind of question three years in, there's, there's, there's probably been, there's probably been trouble in this business before three years in there's your third AEP. And so 
this is for everyone else. This isn't for the individual who had, you know, who'd mentioned that. If you are working in Medicare sales, Medicare plan sales, and you are struggling, don't wait three years to, to, to throw that out there. You've got to reevaluate what you're doing, you know, six months in, if, like, cause if you're, if you're in a regular month and you don't make one cell, much less AEP, that's something that we need to figure out. Like, what are, what are you doing? But one of the big things that I see, and I've been looking at a lot of these message boards online and, and, and on, on Facebook, these, these different groups. And, and it, it feels like a lot of people believe that there's only one way to be successful in this business. And so a lot of them are saying, you know, you got to buy the leads and, and then you've got to, you've got to sell them and, and you've got to do it over the phone and you got to sell in multiple States. And that's not the only way. And, and I would say that our way isn't the only way. So if, you know, we do a lot of grassroots marketing. We have our agents get out in the field and they're, they're meeting with people on a, on a daily basis. And, and that's not for everybody, but I will say that if you're trying the calling the leads, I, cause I see it all the time. People will post, like I got all these leads I paid for. Nobody answers the phone. Well, yeah, because the call centers are calling constantly. Yeah. So maybe there's something more that you can be doing. And so I always tell people maybe instead of just deciding that you're gonna do phone sales. And I was able to, I kind of looked at some of the things he was saying, and he, that's what he's doing. But maybe in addition to doing phone sales, you do some of the grassroots marketing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you figure out what other, what other ways are there for me to be successful? What are they doing that, that's helping them to be successful? And maybe you go through, and this is early, not three years in, but mm-hmm. early in the process, you start figuring out, okay, well, what's working for me? Because every individual is different. You know, my style might not be the same as Oscar's. I think that uh, I, I was never great at, at, at retail. And when I say I wasn't great at it, it's just, it, it wasn't one of my favorite things to do. But I think you did a pretty good job at retail, smiling face and, and having people walk by. When we talk about retail, we're talking again about like sitting at a Walmart or at a grocery store or something like that. And I think that there's a lot of value in it, but it's not for everybody. And so same thing with the, with the phone sales, it's not for everybody. And really the, the key to it all is trying multiple things and then figuring out what works and then, you know, leaning into what's actually working. So that, that's what I would tell you as far as, uh, you know, it, it, it seemed like I, it says I've been at this for three years and have nothing to show for it. What, what should I do? I would say if you have them, if you have the finances to continue, then, then, figure out what other options there are. That's, that would be, that, that would be my, my, my answer. Uh, that would be to figure out, okay, what is it that, what is it that I could try adding on to what I'm doing? Physician marketing, uh, create relationships with dentists, diff- different, different things like that. Figure out what grassroots things I could throw on to my, my, my leads that I'm getting, because obviously it's very difficult during AEP to be dialing leads because you're competing with these call centers that have these permission to contact and they just keep calling and calling and calling from random numbers. I mean, I get the calls myself. So that's what I would say. <laughs> Any other thoughts yeah. before we move yeah, on to the next one? I mean, one? I feel like there's a lot that I can dissect from what you said there um, is, it, you know, if you're dialing, you, you're not the only one dialing. That's you have to remember that. And just to elaborate a little more on what you were saying. Every time that we're meeting with seniors or our agents are meeting with seniors, they're saying, my phone won't stop blowing up. So if you're dialing once, maybe even twice a day 
to that particular individual, chances are they're not going to answer your phone call. And so if, if that's part of your strategy, make sure that you're dialing multiple times. You know, we have agents who will double and triple dial, you know, back to back to back. They'll make notes. They're, they're dialing at separate times of the day. Um, some of them, you know, a lot of agents work weekends during AP. Right. So, so they're doing that on the weekends as well. Um, you mentioned something else, right? You said if, if uh, you know, time to change things up and, but the thing is that you, you said the term six months and it doesn't have to be six months, but I will say this, if it's not something that's going to happen or turn around in a week or two or three weeks, it's something that's got That's going to take time. We, you always say, you know, the work that you're putting in today is work that you may see a month or two from now. And so that's why we see agents who go on vacation and then when they come back, they're kind of having to kind of get that bus moving again, but their their next sale is coming probably, you know, it's gonna be about a month out. So when you if you're gonna change your strategy and you're gonna do something else, make sure that you give it time. Don't just expect it to, to don't expect the return to be there within one week's time. Um, changing it up, doing multiple things. So outside of dialing, you know, do, in, implement some grassroots stuff, try and go out and create some relationships, get out in the, into the community and, and do what you can to get in front of seniors. You know, if, if uh, yes, sales is a great strategy and people are successful doing that, but you can be successful in a lot of other different ways. Not one particular way is the only way is the right way. And you can have multiple ways of generating leads and generating sales. So I think that's super important. Another thing, is um, that I that I might recommend is maybe doing some some seminars where educational seminars for people who are turning 65. Now, these are much further out. I know I know right now we're kind of having a conversation about AEP, but um, this is something that you can you know cr- you can create a pipeline that's going to be six, seven, eight months out where well, you, you have start- people waiting from yeah. you know on, on October the 15th ready to enroll right yes. when you when you do that yeah but but I think that there's to, to me I would ha- the, the question that I have is how, and I don't mean this in a in a in a bad way but how are we at only one cell during AP I would, I wonder if there's something else going on there that are are, are you talking to people in a friendly way or yeah. you know I I I would just uh, I would I would have I would I would get with somebody not not on not on an online forum, but somebody who knows you well, someone who knows you, and and ask them for some serious feedback, for some real feedback about, hey, is is there something that I'm doing like that 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 maybe is is making me less successful? Like it might like do I have bad breath? Like and I'm not and I'm not saying that as a please please hear me. I'm not saying that in a in a in a negative way like that that. But I but I mean truly, there there might be something there. Like maybe when when I talk, am, am I so nervous? My, my voice is shaking, and I've. Or, the reason I do that is I've heard people like that where their voices is, is they're, they're clearly shaking when when they're speaking. What is it? So so there might be something more to your situation, but in general, I think that the diversifying, figuring out what else works. But but I think that with one cell during an AEP, that there's there's maybe something the way that you're speaking also. If things when things slow down, if you've been doing it for for a little while now, you've probably got some people on the books. So conversations that I'll have with agents and say if, if things are slowing down for you, um, 
call your book of business. Call call the people that you have uh, on your books. Uh, it's going to help you with retention, but then ask for, for some referrals. Is there anybody else that I can help? You've already built a relationship with them. You've got trust. So go back. If you're looking for activity, go back and, and reach out to your own book of business and see if you can generate some referrals from that. And it works. People will, you know, you're just calling in, hey, friendly reminder, we don't need to do anything with your plan. It's going to roll into next year. Ignore the phone calls. Ignore, ignore the mail. If you do want to make any changes, give me a call. Are there any other friends or family members that I can help? Right. Com- com- completely agree. On to the next one. What are your thoughts about influencers who only have bad things to say about Medicare Advantage and say that there's no situation where an individual should select a Medicare Advantage plan? You first. Well, it's not, and it's not necessarily influencers. I've had these conversations with with members, you know, people who are aging in, and they say, "All I want is a is a Medicare supplement because I heard that Medicare Advantage plans are bad." I'm like, "Well, where where did you hear that?" And it also you have to look at it from different lenses. Not everybody is in a position to where they can afford a Medicare supplement policy, and and. A Medicare Advantage plan is something that makes more sense for them financially. You've got to keep in mind some people, a lot of people are on fixed and limited income. Let me throw the rebuttal at you there from from that perspective. If they can't afford a Medicare supplement premium, how are they going to afford the co-pays throughout the year? Well, there are different programs out there. There are programs that are going to help you um, pay for your prescription drugs, give you discounts on those medications. You can... Uh, apply for the programs that are going to pay the Medicare Part B premium. You can add ancillary products. You know, you, you've got a pain point that you're going to see on Medicare Advantage plans, hospital co-pays, or, um, you know, if you needed any kind of chemotherapy. So you can get them in a Medicare Advantage plan and bundle that, put right. that with a hospital indemnity plan or, or a cancer plan that's going to cover those pain points at a fraction of the cost of what a Medicare supplement costs. Is that kind of the response you were you thought I was going to give you? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it's fair, and, and I guess like that's the big thing for me when when it comes to, in particular, I think because I've seen a lot. You know, I've been now that we're we're active on social media in the, in the past. Like I never followed anything you know to do with Medicare. Never never seen any cells. Like I'm not like I've never actually even had TikTok until we had yeah. we, we had the Medicare Agent IQ on TikTok, and so I'd, I'd never. I'd never seen it, but I but I see it a lot. I see a lot of people say, no matter what, never go on a Medicare supplement, and, and they're speaking to Medicare beneficiaries. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Like it's just like you know, people are like, well, you can afford a hundred and fifteen dollar premium. Yeah, I can, but I can't afford three hundred, which in ten years is a realistic number. And so that's the hard part for me. Is like, why why would you? Because we have we have only a certain amount of healthy years between 65 and say 75, right? For some, they might be super healthy for 10 of for all 10 of those years, right? Uh, some, some are five, right? But, but imagine someone who's 65, they're perfectly healthy, only go to the doctor twice a year, 66, same thing, 67, 68, and they're paying all this premium. It started at 115 by the time that they were uh, 70, and, and they're still mostly healthy and it's, it's now, you know, 
$190 a month, and they've been saving that, you add that up annually, how much money have they put into that company mm -hmm. where realistically they could have saved that premium and now I've got a few years of a max out of pocket ready to go. And then what I hear back from the people uh, is, well, who actually saves that money? Well, regardless, regardless, it's still better than giving it to mm -hmm. giving it to an insurance company. And then you're in a situation where you've given it to this insurance company. And now when you need them, now when you need them, you can no longer afford the premium. And I've had I've, I've, I've had clients in that exact situation where I, I had a client who was on a Medicare supplement in, in a, for 10 years and then she called me and like, I can no, I can't afford 330 a month plus prescription drug coverage mm -hmm. plus the, the Medicare Part B premium role. I just, I can't do it. And so we talked Medicare Advantage and we were able to get her down to, a, a, on a HMO plan that had all their, do, all of her doctors at network and then she was like, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and make the change. Even though she knew that she had a knee surgery that was going to be coming up at the end of the, the next year. And it still made sense because again, the maximum out of pocket was lower than the premium for that Medicare supplement now that she's 75 years old. So we've got to be thinking about the future and, 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 and I'm not saying again that that an advantage is the only way to go. For a lot of people, Medicare supplement makes sense, but there's I guess the important part to me is that there's not just one way, and people have to agents have to understand that. And and I think that if you're going to do the best that you can for other people, that it's your responsibility to know both advantage and Medicare supplement very well. Yeah. And there's, you know, you talked about that knee surgery and there's a misconception that people think if I need this knee surgery, it's going to cost me thousands of dollars. And the truth is with a Medicare Advantage plan, it's usually just a fixed copay. And if it's an HMO plan, you can probably have that knee surgery for less than a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, or, if it, or if it's, if you end up spending the night in the hospital, then, then you're subject to the hospital copay, which could be a little bit more. And even with the PPO, it's it's a manageable and affordable copay. And again, to, to your point, it's important that as agents, we our approach must be neutral when we go and we meet with our seniors. We cannot be that agent who favors a Medicare Advantage plan over a supplement or vice versa. We need to be able to go in and have these conversations with people and say, hey, look, these are your options. This is what Medicare is. This is what it covers. This is what it doesn't cover. And these are the options that you have. This is how they work and, and help them. You're, you're there to guide them and you're there to advise them and help them make a decision. And every the outcome is going to be different for every individual that you meet with. So there's no right answer to, you know, well, which one should I be helping people go with? It's going to vary from one appointment to, to another. I mean, I've sat with couples where a husband will go, you know, he's he he's a fan of saving money and all of his doctors are a network. If that's what makes sense for me, that's the route that I want to go. And then the spouse may have, you know, maybe she's got a lot of things going on, a lot of medical things going on where in that moment, what might make sense is a Medicare supplement or maybe a PPO Medicare Advantage plan. But everybody's going to be different every situation that you go into. So make sure that you go in being prepared to have a conversation about all options they have. And I'll say that that would be exactly me and my wife, right? I, I would I would absolutely say to my wife that um, 
she, I mean, she would absolutely go with a Medicare supplement and I would, without a doubt, go with an HMO plan. Yeah. It was just, I want to save the money and I can afford the premium. Like I would, like I would be able to afford the premium. Wouldn't matter. I would go with an HMO yeah. plan. Just doctor, which doctor I see isn't that important to me. I believe in the care that you can get from, from an HMO plan. But also when I'm sitting in front of someone, I'm, I'm not sharing those, that bias. And, and, and if anything, um, I'll, I'm, if they ask my opinion, I'll share, I'll, I'll share what, what they're like, what would you do? I would say, because I don't really care, you know, one doctor from the other, I would probably go with a, with a, with a Medicare Advantage HMO plan. And I'll, but I'll say, because I don't care some people, it's super important to them. And we want to make sure that, that, that we do a good job of that. So, um, one, the, the other thing too, is like, it just, it just kind of, when I, when I watch the video where like, look, if you're broke, you're on an advantage plan. Like think about how that might make a senior feel mm -hmm. like I would, I mean, I don't want to make, I don't want to make a senior feel bad about their financial circumstance because honestly, I mean, they may not be broke, but they might not be able to afford $300 a month because when you're on a fixed income, you know, financially, every dollar counts and you have to, you have to figure out a way to make every dollar make sense. Now more than ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like with the, with the rising cost of groceries and everything like that, it's just, it, it, it's just unfair to say that there's only one way. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's my take. So, all right. So the next question, I'm a Medicare agent, but my question is, should I also be doing ACA? Is it a no brainer? What about final expense? How would you respond to that? Uh, so that, that's a, that's a question that, that I, I feel like is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. So as a person who's been doing Medicare for a long time with a pretty large book of business, I would say no, right? I would say that it, you know, doing ACA is, is extra work. And although it, it, it financially can, it, it can help. The issue is, is that very often you're having to go back out and write the same people again. And the problem with that is that how are you growing your business if you're having to go out and rewrite the, the, the people? So I would say that for beginner agents, I would absolutely look at ACA as a way to build your book of business. And, and it's a good pipeline for people who are turning 65. But I think as a business model, that's not the model that I would go for unless I'm just starting. And so the idea would be because a lot of them you get over $20 a month, right? 20, 25, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So for a lot of people, and, and we're speaking kind of nationally, and I know every state might be a little different, but I would say absolutely. If you're a new agent, jump in, get yourself a hundred clients yeah. and, and, and then work on your Medicare book of business that automatically renews. And so, so that's where I would be with that. I think that there's value in it. Again, you get T65 leads, it, you know, that makes sense. Now, the other question is, what about final expense? And I would say as a, as an agent who sells Medicare insurance plans, I would absolutely recommend final expense. And so who's a final expense client? Typically, it's going to be someone who maybe didn't prepare, maybe financially doesn't have the means if something were to happen to them to pay for a funeral. And so just kind of imagine if you're dealing with some lower income individuals, you know, how like a lot of times and this is here in San Antonio, we see this a lot where people are having, you know, barbecue plate sales. They're having uh, fundraisers, fundraisers. Go yeah, go, you set up a GoFundMe to be able to pay for the funeral. And the way that I look at things like that is that's not how I would 
want to, for my family to spend the first few days mourning is having it, you know, put their dollars together. And so for me, final expense makes a lot of sense for those lower income individuals who maybe did not do any preparation for that. So if you help those people, then I think that if if those are your clientele, then I think that final expense is you'd be doing a disservice to them by not offering final expense. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we talk about how would you, how would you treat these people if they were your own mother, father, grandfather, grandmother. And if that's your grandmother who doesn't have anything in place, you know, if something were to happen to her, how would you, you know, what would you want for her? And you would want them to have some policy in place. So yeah, absolutely. You would be doing a disservice to them if you're not having the, at least having the conversation with them about what they've done to take care of their final expenses. Yeah, I can speak to this a little bit. My grandfather passed away um, last week and he, um, he was always kind of thinking about those things ahead of time. I remember like when I was about 30 years old, he was paying for his plots already in, in, in doing that. And then he also recently had, and he also had a $5,000 final expense plan. Again, and I've mentioned it before, my grandfather was, you know, of, you know, limited means and financially not, I don't come from wealth, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so my grandfather was, was, he was one of those low income individuals, but it, you know, here we are and he passed away and my mom is the one kind of putting everything together and dealing with it. And it, 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 it feels good from that perspective to know that she's able to mourn and she's not like, you know, like in addition to the, that, that mourning that she's feeling having to, you know, like, how do we get out of, you know, like, how do we, can we all put our money together, setting up, you know, text, a group text message in the family? Like, can mm-hmm. we all just, we're not, we're not having to do that. And it was a very small, policy, I think $5,000 that of course he had already paid for the plot and, and for his, for his casket. And so being that, 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 that's about how much the rest of the stuff is costing. So it's, it, it's just a good thing for those individuals. And, and so the way I look at it, and so everybody has, you know, a lot of times <laughs> I get to see a lot of the kind of cynical perspectives when I, am looking at our YouTube comments or mm-hmm. <laughs> looking at our, looking at our, uh, you know, Facebook comments. But, but the, the truth is, is that that $5,000 policy that you're selling to a senior could really help that family. And so it's, it's one of those things where at the end of every appointment, I think you should ask like, Hey, by the way, have you, have you done anything to take care of your final expenses? What do you mean? What does that, what does that mean? Yeah. Oh, you know, like just if something were to happen for your, to pay for your burial. So that way your kids aren't having to to, to, you know, do a GoFundMe or put money together. And, and I think that, that that's super helpful to, yeah. to people to you're being a service to them by offering it. Yeah. So I would say, uh, I would I think if your if your focus is to build a Medicare book of business and the question is, should I be doing ACA or final expense? Uh, you, you don't want to spread yourself too thin because right. we can see that handicap kind of stunt your growth uh, with building your Medicare book of business. So if you had to pick maybe one other line of business, one other product to offer, I'd say my recommendation would probably be the final expense just for the story that you that you just shared with yeah. us. Um, but don't don't overdo it. Don't do too much. You know, don't don't expand yourself and spread yourself so thin that you are, you know, uh, 
a jack of all trades, but a master of none, right? right? Yeah, Medicare takes a lot to learn. But I would say that that if, if I were a brand new agent, I might jump in, do ACA yeah. just to get to 100 clients and then and then start focusing on big picture. My I business did plan. for a little bit, yeah, just no. for a little bit. And yeah, then, yeah. then I got away from it once I started building the, the Medicare, when I really started gaining some traction on the Medicare side. Yeah. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to end here and next week, we're just going to finish off a couple more, a, a couple more of these questions that, that we've been uh, ready to answer. So until next time, thank you so much.